0: Good morning. I'm so glad that you chose to join us this morning, whether you are one of the 30 people in the room or whether you are at home worshiping with us. We are one church in multiple locations spread out throughout Moose Jaw and the surrounding area. We are worshiping one God and we are united by one spirit. We are together in this moment. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room or at home. We are so thankful for you. You know, I was reading a survey a number of years ago that said the number one influence In a child's faith, in actually someone becoming uh, an adult with faith, is actually mom. Dad, you're number two. You're important too. But mom, you are the number one influence in your child's faith. And seeing that raise up into them becoming people of, of faith as adults. So thank you for your influence that you have in our lives. And the way you are making us more like Jesus by modeling how Jesus loves and Jesus lives. Let me pray as we turn to God's word this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for moms. You know what it's like to have a mom. And sometimes we get frustrated with our moms, but we know that they always have our best in their heart. And we are so thankful for the faith that they model to us. And may we be people who follow after our mother's faith and grow to love you, Jesus, the way that our moms love you. Thank you for all the women in our life, because we know from Scripture that women have a powerful influence in our community and in our lives when it comes to faith. And so thank you for all the women who have influenced us to follow you more closely, Jesus. And now as we turn to your word and listen to what you have to say to us this morning, in Jesus' name we declare that the enemy of our soul will be silent so that we can hear what you have to say, Jesus. We, we declare that the voices that are speaking and distracting us That they would be silent as well So that we can just sit at your feet And hear the whispers of your voice above all else In your name, Jesus, we pray Amen Well, have you ever tried to make something into something it wasn't? When I turned 16, two things happened First was I got my driver's license Watch out, world, here I come The second was I got my first car My first car was a 1970 Toyota Corona. You heard that right. Corona, not Corolla, like the virus. And you know what? This car was olive green. It was a four-door car. It was passed down to me from my grandmother and so while other 16 year old guys who got their car and I know there's some guys out there that are are pining away for their mom's car I know there's one young man who would love for mom to give them their black convertible when they turn 16 I got my grandma's car and while other 16 year old kids got their cars that went vroom vroom mine went putt putt it had the most powerful 4 cylinder engine well not really but it was my car And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I tried to make it look cool. You know, my friends and I, we used to drive around, cruising around all over the place. I would pick them up on the way to youth group. And there was this stretch of road on the way to the church. It was long and it was straight. There was no intersections. There was no stop signs or lights to slow me down. And we would hit that section of road and I would put the pedal to the metal and I would try to get that car going as fast as it could. It got to about 88 miles per hour. It was an American car. And so it was all in miles. And it got to 88 miles an hour. And the thing would start to shake like it was going to fly apart. And as it inched ever closer to that 90, we thought, man, this is the coolest thing in the world. And I set about to make this even cooler than a fast four, four-cylinder engine going super fast down a street to youth group. I, I decided that the first thing I would do is with my first job that I got I would save up some money and put in a the best stereo that I could afford right because you got to have rock and tunes if you're gonna have a cool car and so I saved up all my money I went down to Radio Shack and I bought a realistic tape deck with realistic speakers all 30 watts of them it wasn't Alpine or Pioneer but it was cool to me and I would crank up the tunes in there I decided that you know what this this drab interior needed to be changed, so I bought seat covers with my next paycheck from my first job. And because my last name is Cowman, they were cow-patterned. You know, I would have fit in with the McLeod's really good in this moment, you know, with the the cow cover seats on my car. And then I decided, you know, the olive green needed to go, so I decided to set about painting it as well. As I was doing that, I came across something in our garage at home. We had this old hood ornament from a 1955 GMC truck. And it had this swept back wings. It looked like an airplane. I decided that would be the coolest thing to mount on the hood of my Toyota Corona. And so that's what I did. I screwed that thing down tight to the hood. And we would hit that stretch of road heading to youth group. And the car would hit 88 miles an hour. It feel like it was going to fly apart. And it felt like with that hood ornament, we were going to take off. It was the coolest thing. But here's the thing, even though I tried to paint it, even though with new seat covers, a stereo, even with the best hood ornament in the whole world, it was still my grandmother's 1970 Toyota Corona, and it wasn't really a cool car. Have you ever tried to make something into something it wasn't? I think we do this sometimes, don't we? We slap a coat of paint on something and call it new, (laughs) or we get a makeover, and we figure we are a different person now because we're wearing a new jacket or we've gone to the gym three times this last week. Sometimes we do this. We, we slap a hood ornament on something and think that that makes it something different when really it's the same. This week we're starting a new series and the series is called Brand New. And this series is all about discovering the life that Jesus envisions for you and for me. You see, it says in scripture, it says that if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a follower of Jesus, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. The challenge is, is that sometimes we aren't living as the new creation that Jesus intends. And in this series, we're going to look in two chapters in the book of Luke as Jesus talks to some of his first followers about what it means to follow him, what it means to be a brand new creation. Because some of us today, we've been following Jesus for some time, but Jesus is kind of like a hood ornament on my 1970 Toyota Corona. Nice to look at, but doesn't serve any function in our life. Nice to look at, but doesn't make a difference to what's under the hood, what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And we cannot become who Jesus envisions unless we embrace this brand new life that he has for us. And today, as we start this series, I want to talk to you about three choices that we need to begin to make over the coming weeks as we hear about this life that Jesus envisions for us and is inviting us into, three choices that we can make that will lead to a brand new way of living. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke. As I said, we're going to camp out in two chapters in the book of Luke, Luke 5 and Luke 6. Today, we're in Luke 5, and we're starting at Luke 5, And as we come to Luke 5, what we discover is that Jesus is at the house of a man named Levi. Now, what, here's, a, here's a tip for when you read Scripture, when you read the Gospels in particular, is you have to read the Gospels vertically and horizontally. What I mean by that, today we're going to look vertically, which means what's happening right before and right after what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. Horizontally means, and we're going to do this in the, in the weeks ahead, horizontally means, what does it, is there another account, or is there another time where this account count is told in another gospel. That's what horizontally means. And we can understand more about the life that Jesus has for us as we read the gospels both vertically and horizontally. Today we're going to look vertically. And what we find in Luke 5, 33 is right before that, Jesus is in the house of a man named Levi. And you may know this story if you've been around church. If you don't, let me fill you in. Jesus meets this man named Levi who's a tax collector. And he says to this tax collector, come and follow me. And Levi is so excited that he throws a huge party at his house and Jesus is the, uh, the man of the hour. He is the, the, host, or the guest of honor at the house. And while Jesus is there, there's this group of other people called Pharisees. Pharisees were the religious leaders. These were people who were deeply devoted to pursuing relationship with God. And they were watching Jesus and they started to ask Jesus, why are you doing what you're doing? Because you're not acting like us. And they asked Jesus, why are you eating with this man, Levi, who's a a tax collector and a sinner, and all of his friends? And we hear from Jesus that the reason why is because Jesus wants the tax collector, the sinner, to know that they matter to God. And he wanted to create space for the kingdom to come in Levi's house and in the friends that Levi has. And then this conversation continues in verse 33 as these Pharisees, these religious people who are deeply devoted to God, who want to know how to get closer to God in relationship, they say to Jesus, the disciples of John fasted often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, well, let's just stop there. So these Pharisees, they begin asking Jesus all these questions. And their questions center around one thing. Why? Why are you doing what you do? Why aren't you acting like us? You see, I think the Pharisees often get a bad rap. But you know what? What I see when I come through the Gospels is I see that the Pharisees are often there within earshot of Jesus. And I think sometimes they're there to criticize Jesus. That's clear in Scripture. But sometimes they're there because they're interested in what he has to say. But what Jesus says to these religious people who have devoted their life to following Jesus is so different than what they grew up in. It's so different than everything they've been taught. And so they struggle and they come to Jesus and they say, why, Jesus, don't you act like us? And this is what Jesus says. He says, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in those days doesn't make any sense does it (laughs) Jesus they're asking Jesus why don't you fast like us and he starts to talk about a wedding well you know in the first century in the ancient Near East you would find at a wedding that this was a huge celebration I mean ancient Near East people knew how to party I mean weddings were week-long affairs and there was one thing that you always did is you gave up any chance of losing weight that week because you had to eat it was impolite to refuse food Jesus in in the book of John he's at a wedding and we find out that while he's at the wedding that they run out of wine why did they run out of wine? because a wedding is a week long affair and they've gone through all their supplies weddings were a big deal and Jesus says to the Pharisees who know this who know the big extravaganza that is a wedding he says you know what do you fast when the bridegroom is with you or do you fast when the bridegroom is away fasting is is a time of preparation. It's a time of getting ready for something. And you see, the Pharisees, they used to fast twice a week. They used to fast twice a week to prepare themselves to experience God and to prepare themselves for the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is, this isn't a time to fast. This is a time to celebrate. Think of it like this, my son got married last fall. And you know, he got engaged in February of 2020 and we began planning this wedding that was going to happen and it kept marching on and getting closer to October when he was going to get married. And you know what? It didn't seem real until the Thursday before he got married because that was when Liam and Rhiannon arrived in Regina for the ceremony. And that suddenly made it real because all the guests, all the family were together and the bride and the groom were there as well. That made it real for us. And all the time of planning and preparation that was done, it was time to party. It was time to celebrate. And Jesus uses this analogy of a wedding, and maybe your wedding or you've been to a wedding like that where all of a sudden it's real because today is the day of that wedding. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, I know that you are preparing for the kingdom. I know that you are preparing to encounter God in a whole new way. Stop preparing because the kingdom is here. You know, the kingdom is life as God envisioned. The kingdom is where everything that is broken, you see, sin entered the world in our life. We've talked about that in our beginning series that we just wrapped up. How sin entered the world and corrupted everything. It corrupted you and me, our relationship. It corrupted all of creation. And the kingdom is when God enters in and restores all things, makes them new again, uncorrupted by sin. And the Pharisees have been looking for this, fasting for this, asking God to make it happen, and they do not recognize that when Jesus enters the picture, the kingdom is here. You see, here's the thing, friends. When you encounter Jesus, everything changes because the kingdom is here. You know, oftentimes in life, we think about the kingdom and we think about the kingdom as this thing that happens in the future. Okay, if this is our life, we think it ends with us being in the kingdom. But here's the thing that Jesus says. He says, actually, the kingdom is right now. We often think of the death and the resurrection of Jesus as being this moment where it proves that Jesus is God, that it is who he says he is, and he can do all that he says he is. And this is true. It does prove that he is God, that he has conquered death. But here's the thing. The death and the resurrection of Jesus are the inauguration of the kingdom. And when you begin following Jesus, the kingdom comes now into this moment. The problem is we think it's something in the future and not something to be experienced now. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know what, stop. (laughs) Stop looking around and looking for it to come because the kingdom is here right now. And in our lives, a lot of times, we miss the kingdom because we're looking for something else. We're like the Pharisees who were looking for something else that fit into the box that they had for what the Messiah, the King, would look like. And when the kingdom is here and we're looking for it somewhere else, we miss out on what God has for us. And the first choice we have to make is to realize that in this moment the kingdom is here and there is more of God and more of the life that he envisioned for us to experience. And and do you wanna know a sure sign? that the kingdom is here and present and there's more of God for you to experience? It comes in the moment when you ask why. It comes in the moment when you wonder, why is this always happening to me? It comes in the moment when there is this tension within you. Do I do this as Jesus says or do I do something else? And there is a tension within us when things don't go our way, but those are the moments when God is close and there's more of the kingdom for us to experience. And the first choice we have to make if we want to live this brand new life that Jesus envisions for us is to recognize that the kingdom is here. And we need to recognize the kingdom. The Pharisees couldn't recognize the kingdom because it didn't fit with their plan, it didn't fit with their expectation. But nevertheless, the kingdom was there right in front of them. Friends, are you ignoring the kingdom? Today? Are you ignoring the life that Jesus has for you? Jesus tells a couple parables to help reinforce what he's talking about to the Pharisees. He says this in verse 36. He says, No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. Can you imagine doing this? Can you imagine going down to Mark's work warehouse, picking up a new pair of Levi's, cutting it all up so that you can patch your old, worn out jeans? (laughs) You know, I have this pair of denim jeans that I just love. (laughs) And they continually get holes in them because I've been wearing them for about five years. In fact, guaranteed that at one o'clock this afternoon I will be in my denim shorts at home. It's the first thing I put on as soon as I walk through the door. I go upstairs, I put on my denim jeans and, and, and my denim shorts and they are falling apart. And my wife won't fix them anymore so I had to learn how to sew in order to repair them. Because I just love them so much. Now, can you imagine if I go out to Mark's work warehouse and I have these old jeans that are just falling apart and I buy a new pair of Levi's and I cut it all up just so I can keep wearing these old jeans? That's a lot of times what we do with Jesus. We look at Jesus as a patch to our life. You know, there are parts in our life that are broken and we think Jesus can just patch that brokenness and we can just keep on going on. We would never go to Mark's and buy a new pair of jeans to patch an old pair of jeans. We would just put on those new jeans. But with Jesus, so much, so often, at least in my own life, I know that I do this, is that I see Jesus as a patch for the problems of my life, not a whole new way of living. Jesus didn't come to patch your old life. He came to transform your life, to give you a whole new Way of living. But too often we just ignore it because the old ways are so comfortable. <laughs> like Chandra with that sweater that she didn't want to give up because it just felt so good. And Jesus offers us something completely brand new. And you have to recognize that the kingdom is here and choose to let go of what is broken. That's the second choice. To let go of what is broken. Friends, here's what I know about your life and about mine. Our lives are broken. They are broken beyond repair. And no amount of patching will fix them. We have to surrender to Jesus. To let go of what is broken in order to embrace something much better. That he gives us. Until we do, we'll never become what Jesus envisions. Jesus tells one more parable. He says this in verse 37. He says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled. And the skins will be destroyed, but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new. For he says, the old is good. Now, in the first century, the, what, the way they made wine is they would take animal skins, wine skins, and they would make a bag out of these animal skins, and they would pour the new wine into the wine skins. And the wine would ferment in those wine skins. And as it ferments, the skins would absorb the wine that is fermenting. And you never used old wine skins with new wine. Because the wineskins had absorbed everything that they possibly could in that fermentation process. And it would burst the bag if you put new wine into old wineskins. Jesus uses this parable to talk about the kingdom and the life that he has for you and me. You see, you and I are the wineskins. And the wine is what Jesus offers us. The new life. And what Jesus is saying is that your old way of living, the way that you live, cannot contain the kingdom life that Jesus has for you. You need something completely new. Not a patch for what's broken, but something that's transformed. Something brand new. Because otherwise... If you try to live the Jesus way while also living the way that we see in the rest of the world, while, seeing, while trying to live the way that we've grown up or the way that the traditions and the, the practices that we've seen in churches for all these years, if we try to live that way, it'll burst the wineskins. Our life cannot contain the life that Jesus has. It is infinitely better. And the Pharisees, they had grown up in a system, in a structure of religion that had taught them the do's and don'ts, the rules, and and how they were supposed to live. It's a lot like the way that I grew up, and if you grew up in the church, maybe it's the way you grew up. And the Pharisees had grown up, and what they wanted to do was they wanted to layer Jesus on top of their teaching. Kind of like me putting a 1955 GMC truck hood ornament on my Toyota Corona. It didn't change the car Instead, it made people laugh at me. And the Pharisees wanted to layer Jesus onto a way of living that they already had. And too often in life, we try to do the same thing. We try to layer the Jesus way of living on top of the Canadian way of living. And the two are not compatible. In fact, the two will actually result in a bursted wineskins. And I wonder if this is why so many people walk away from the church. Because they try to live the good Canadian way, the good Canadian life, and layer Jesus on top of it, and it bursts the wineskin, skin. And they walk away frustrated and disappointed because the life that Jesus promised didn't live up to it. Because we're trying to have it both ways. And we need Jesus to actually transform us and to change us. So that we can hold this life that he wants to pour into us today. The choices we need to make if we want to embrace this new way of living that Jesus invites us into is to choose to recognize that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now. There's more of God and his way of living for us to experience. It means letting go of what is broken. That doesn't mean that we walk away from commitments or from things that we've done. But we start to live differently in those relationships and in those commitments. We let go of the broken, the ways that have gotten us to where we are today. And we begin to embrace a whole new way of living, the Jesus way. And we're going to find that as we embrace over the coming weeks, that there is a conflict that will happen within each of us. And we will have to come again and again back to this first choice to recognize that the kingdom is here and there is more of God's presence, more of God's purpose, more of God's love that he wants to pour into your life. Because you're going to come into conflict as you begin to hear what Jesus has in mind when it comes to dealing with people who frustrate you. You're going you're gonna to get frustrated when you, we hear what Jesus has to say about the way that we manage our finances or manage our property, the things that we have, the things that we think define us, and we discover that Jesus has a whole new way of viewing those things. And we're going to have to come back and realize that the kingdom is here, and there's something special for you to experience in God's presence. We're going to have to choose to let go of the broken way that we've seen things The broken way that we've done things in order to embrace a whole new way that will change us and help us become what Jesus envisions. And these three choices build the foundation for what we're going to experience over the next six weeks. And as we do, I want to introduce you to a tool that you can use to help you to begin to embrace this brand new way of living that Jesus has for you. I call it the learning circle and the way that it happens is that as we are going through life we come to these moments where we experience difficulty where we experience tension in our hearts and in our minds and these are moments when the kingdom is near you know they're often found in in high and low emotions you know when you are feeling low and frustrated or angry pay attention to that emotion you know as good western canadians we we don't like to show our emotions right We actually need to. And we need to pay attention to our emotions because they are something God gave us as signposts that help us experience more of the kingdom. And as we are going through life and we hit this moment of high emotion or low emotion, we should always look and see where is the kingdom in this moment. And then as we do that, we begin to work a circle. And there's steps on this circle. We start out by first observing That something's going on. That I'm a little angrier than maybe I was before. That I'm a little depressed at what's going on. That I'm sad and sorrowful. That things aren't going the way I planned. Have you ever asked this, have you ever said this question? Why does this always happen to me? Have you ever said that? If you have, it's because the kingdom is near and Jesus wants you to experience it. Because here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus isn't as concerned about your comfort as you are. And Jesus is more concerned about your transformation than your comfort. And when you have these moments where it's like, this always happens to me, it's because Jesus wants you to experience something more of his kingdom. And we need to observe that something's going on in our hearts and in our mind. And then we need to begin to reflect on it. Reflect and pay attention to what's going on within us. You know, oftentimes we try to blow by it. We may observe something And then we think, oh, well, we'll just go right back on with life. And what happens is we find ourselves in this endless loop because until we deal with it, we will not move past it. And we need to observe what's going on, reflect what's going on, and then find trusted friends who we can discuss it with and discuss it with God. And say, God, what do you want me to learn in this moment? Is there new wine that I'm trying to pour into old wineskins? What do you want me to experience? Am I trying to patch something that is so broken that it can't be repaired? Jesus, what do you want me to learn of your kingdom? And then we come to the bottom of this circle. And this is a point where I say we confess. Now, we often think of confession. We think of, you know, a booth that we go into and we say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I want you to think about confession differently. I want you to think about confession as articulation. The ability to to articulate what is going on within your soul. And you come through this observing, reflecting, discussing, and you come to this place and you realize, I need to change. The kingdom wants to come into my life in this part and I need to change the way that I am doing things. Whatever is going on in your heart, when you can begin to confess it with your mouth, you begin to be open to actually changing. And then we begin to move on the second part of the circle where we plan, here's what I need to do in order to begin to embrace this new life that Jesus has for me. We begin to find someone who will hold us accountable, who will say, hey, how you doing, Kirk, at, at growing in that one area where you've experienced difficulty in your life? How you doing? Too often we blow by this and we forget about this and we find ourselves in this endless loop again because we can't get by it without community. Community is essential for us to grow into the life that Jesus has for us. And we find someone, and then it's time to act. And as we do this, as we work through the steps of the circle, what happens is we change our trajectory, and we discover the kingdom of God here in this moment. And friends over the next six weeks This is what I want you to do I want you to be able to work through this circle We're going to send this diagram out With our weekly email this week So that you can begin to work through this circle Whenever you experience a moment Like the Pharisees did in Luke chapter 5 Where they say why Jesus aren't you doing this Why Jesus are things like this Why is this always happening Begin to work the circle and find the kingdom that is waiting for you right there in that moment, the new life that he wants to pour into you. One of the ways that I do it is I sit down at the end of the day and I do something called a prayer of examine, which we've talked about over the last number of months, where I ask Jesus, Jesus, walk me through my day and pause at the moments where you want me to experience more of your kingdom in my life. And when he pauses, I work the circle with him and I begin to discover a new way of living, a brand new way. Jesus has something for you and me today. A new life. And if we would embrace it, instead of trying to tack him onto our already full life like a car hood ornament, if we would embrace this new life and let go of what is broken, we would discover the kingdom here, and we would discover life as Jesus envisions. Will you do this? Will you begin to pay attention to the tension and begin to embrace the kingdom life that Jesus has for you? We'll talk more about it in the weeks ahead. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this teaching. We are often like the Pharisees, People who have traditions and, and religion and ways of doing things that we are just accustomed to, comfortable with. And Jesus, would you begin to point out where you want the kingdom to break through in our life? And would you begin to transform us? Would you make us into new wineskins that can actually contain the life that you have for us? And may we become what you envision?